Hi, I'm Peter Schwing, and welcome to the Stories from the Run podcast and community. This is the show for the everyday runner, all about inspiring and sometimes humorous stories from your fellow runners. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to thank all our supporters for making this podcast possible. If you like what you hear, please slam that subscribe button or sign up on our website, storiesfromtherun.com. You can also join the Facebook community or follow us on Instagram through the links in the show notes. Have you ever skipped a race because you woke up with a panic attack then decided to run 10 miles around a track in anger? Have you ever finished a marathon while throwing up? What about overcoming an eating disorder and thinking about what kind of person you'd want your child to see you as and how you can be a good role model for them? Our next guest even ran a marathon without telling anybody. She also has a blog with a very similar name. I could go on about our next guest, but I'm short on time, so you're just going to have to take a listen. We're going to call this one hashtag stories from the start, hashtag no excuses. Let's get to it. State your name and any club affiliation for the record, please. My name is Brittany, and I run with Run for All Women. Brittany, how are you? How's everything? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. How was your week and, and weekend at this point? It's been good. It's been really, really busy lately, but it's been very good. What's been keeping you busy? Uh, my five-year-old keeps me very busy. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Oh, so so she she's five. She is five, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, amazing. Because I, I know like there's a photo that you submitted, which we're going to post up. And we're going to talk about that later, that photo and the meaning behind that. What's her name? Her name is Sophia. Sophia. Oh, it's a beautiful name. So thank you. Have you gotten her into running yet? She actually ran on a local cross-country team um, starting at the age of three and a half. Wow. So in the spring, she runs a half mile distance for cross country. Um, and I'm fortunate enough that my schedule allows me to be able to do those practices and run with her. So we kind of treat it like a game of chase or, you know, especially on the days where she actually feels like running. So she'll chase me and then she'll get in front and then I'll chase her. And it's like this fun game of tag for about a half mile. Oh, that's great. Um, and, and it must be also good because then she's burning off all that energy. Does it help her get to sleep and allow for you to have a good night's sleep? No. Oh, my goodness. I have no idea who said that running a, a toddler out was a thing, but that's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's a myth. They, they have <laughs> unlimited energy. They do. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk a lot about this, about being a mother and running and motivation and everything. First of all, are you currently training for anything? I am currently training to run some um, some longer distance races in the spring. So I'm hoping to run a duration run. This will be my very first duration run. It's a 10-hour run, and that's in May. And then I'm also training for Berlin and Chicago. So I'll be running both of those back-to-back. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I have not yet been lucky enough to win the lottery for Berlin yet. I did do Chicago and it's a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed Chicago. The first few miles, they, they say it's flat as a pancake. It's not flat as a pancake, but it, and it's not hilly <laughs> by any means. But I remember I was with like um, my friend and I just bumped into each other in the crowd and we were like a few miles in. We're like, they said this was flat. This isn't flat. <laughs> and <laughs> have you run Chicago before? I have not. And and honestly, in all honesty, I registered for both of the lotteries thinking that there was no possible way that I would get them both. And I ended up within, I think the lotteries happened within about a week and a half to two weeks apart. And I got them both. And then I thought, well, now what do I do? Mm -hmm. And then I thought, well, 
I'm just going to run them both. You know, maybe I won't PR them, but that's not really the point. It's really about the experience anyway. Right. So, and, and how many weeks apart are they? Um, honestly, I think off the top of my head, and please don't quote me if I'm incorrect, I think they're less than four weeks apart. I think they're three weeks apart. Wow, three weeks. Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure if it was like five or something like that. But yeah, I mean, a couple of years ago, I did Chicago in October, New York in November, and then Palm Beach in December. And Chicago went really well. New York was started off amazing and then just fell apart. And then Palm Beach, oh, no. Palm Beach was just a, a glorified fun run. So it, it is a challenge when you're three weeks apart. So you know the focus is kind of like they say, pick one race that you want to make your race. And if you want to set a PR or something like choose one of them, and then just take the other one as a nice warm up, like your last long run or a glorified recovery run. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's what I'm thinking. You know, I would like to make Berlin my race and I would just kind of like to explore this, the city of Chicago via my feet mm -hmm. um, and just taking all the people and the sites. And I've never been to Chicago before, so I'm perfectly content just taking in everything and kind of going slowly. Well, and then you can do a great carb load the night before with a uh, Chicago deep dish pizza. So you can stuff yourself <laughs> and just really enjoy, have a few beers and, and take it easy. So how, how long have you been running? I have been running since January of 2018. So just two years. Very specific. January of 2018. Was that a New Year's resolution of some sort? It was. It was. Um, so I had been on this journey of recovering from an eating disorder. Um, and right around January of 2018, I decided that I wanted to be not skinny, but I wanted to be strong. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't 100% sure what that meant. But I knew in order to be mentally strong, emotionally strong, I needed to physically feel strong as well. And so I joined the gym in January of 2018 and I made it my New Year's resolution to be strong. Um, and I didn't know how to lift weights and I didn't know how to use any of the machines. But the only thing that I knew how to use in the gym was a treadmill. And so I felt confident getting on the treadmill. I knew what the buttons did. I knew, you know, what I was supposed to be doing. And so that's where I started. And I just, ran. And then the first time I ran, I felt this incredible sense of accomplishment. And I really felt proud of myself for the first time. And so um, I just kept running. And then I started getting a little bit further into the physical fitness part of it or the, the strength part of it. Um, I would go into the gym on like a Friday night at three o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the morning. And I would read the machines and I would, you know, sit on each of the machines and read them and try and figure out how they worked and try and adjust them so that they felt right for me. And I looked like the person on the picture. Um, <laughs> and that's how I learned how to do strength training. And then I would, you know, watch YouTube videos at night in bed. And I was, you know, trying to piece all of this information together that's out there. Um, but really, I started running because I didn't know how to do anything else. I love so much of that because... <laughs> Because there's so many 
excuses for people to come up with, to like talk themselves out of doing something and, you know, especially with fitness and, or in improving their health, their well-being. It's tough. If you want to transform yourself, it is not an easy task. Okay. If you've been, uh, you know, and I don't know what the eating disorder was, but if it was something like you ate terrible food and like you were just, uh, you know, a couch potato and bags of potato chips to break that alliance with those kind of foods and to do something different. And you have to go through that struggle and that change. And then you, your brain wants to tell you, oh, here's another excuse of why not to do that. So your excuse of, I didn't know the equipment and then to push through to say, I'm going to teach myself. I'm going to go up to the equipment. I'm going to look at it. I'm actually going to read it. I mean, there's still probably equipment out there. I have no idea what to do with. And, <laughs> and to like, then go home and look at YouTube videos on best practices, what to do is really inspiring because you didn't come up with those excuses. So then let's go through like the first six months of that transformation. I mean, it's a challenge. Uh, what did you find were the biggest challenges and when did you start seeing results and how did you feel? So for me, um, I think that first six months was really about building my own confidence. So coming from having that eating disorder, my place, the place that I was coming from was really that I disliked myself so much. I, mm -hmm. you know, that I wouldn't eat or that I would eat. And then I would take a lot of diet pills and try and figure out how to get rid of it. Um, and I was thinking about what it would be like to raise a girl and have her see me kind of going through that phase of picking at myself in the mirror or, you know, double checking to make sure, you know, my stomach looks just so or, or something like that. And I didn't want that for her. I wanted her to have a relationship with her body that wasn't based solely in how it looked, but more in how she felt and in kind of celebrating what her body was capable of. Um, and I couldn't model that for her because I didn't know what my body was capable of because I had spent so much time taking it apart. And so to go into the gym and to attempt to get physically strong, um, it really was some days it was go in and spend 20 minutes on the elliptical and walk out. And that was a lot of the first couple weeks mm -hmm. was go in, spend 20 minutes on the treadmill you know, three of those minutes were walk for running, the rest of them were walking. And then it was you know, a couple of minutes on the treadmill or, you know, a few minutes on the elliptical. And I was just kind of trying to find my place. And I was reading all these things. And I think one of the biggest challenges is there's so much contradicting information out there. Mm -hmm, definitely. Some people say, you know, start with this app or start with this thing. And, but nobody really talks about the struggle or the courage that it takes to get yourself to a place of wanting to start something new. Um, and that's really a lot of why I started stories from the start was because I wanted to pull back this curtain that I felt like was on those first few months of trying to start a fitness journey. And, you know, we always see the end result. And, you know, when I was watching YouTube videos or reading YouTube videos, I saw people who had run these extreme races and they were doing these really incredible things and people weren't asking, you know, how did you finish that race? They were saying, how did you start? You mm -hmm. know, how do I start training for a marathon? How do I start running? How do I start feeling good about myself? And that was the piece of the puzzle that I just, I think is missing um, for a lot of us. And, and because, that, oh, go on. 
No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, I was just actually getting more into stories from the start. So I wanted to make sure everybody heard that because this is stories from the run. And you have a blog and an Instagram account, and it's called Stories from the Start. And yeah. and that's how that's how I came across. That's like because Livia from uh, Run for All Women, she uh, mentioned she passed along to her members, uh, and I, I've been lucky to have numerous uh, the uh, your teammates sign up. So you're going to hear a lot of podcasts with them, and so far they've been just absolutely amazing, very inspiring. But when I saw that you had stories from the start, I'm like, I need to speak with you because it was so inspirational. And this is stories from the run where it's about overcoming a challenge for a particular race, but yours is that start. And that's what's really important. What what have you found? Because you have people that submit articles and, you know, their stories. So what do you find as a common thread with all these people and their starting stories? So all of these, all of the people that I've interacted with, and I've been so incredibly fortunate that people have come forward and shared their story with me and talked to me and been open with me. And everybody that I've heard from or everybody that I've talked to they all have these challenges that lie far outside of running. And it's, and they're things that make them question their self-worth mm-hmm. or their confidence or they're coming from, you know, the bottom of the valley and they're looking up at the top of the mountain and they think that that place is just impossible to get to. And all of those people went through the same things that I went through just in different capacities, right? So some of them overcame struggled with food or struggled with emotional eating. And some of them overcame obstacles with, you know, their self-confidence and being bullied, or some of them overcame relationship challenges and struggles that made them feel insignificant. And like, they really needed to build that worth back. And I just think that when you come to a place of knowing that you need to change something or knowing that you want to feel more accomplished in what you're doing or feel stronger in some way, it's because we're acknowledging something has happened to us or we have been through some experience that was adverse or negative and we're really trying to build back up. Um, It's a blessing for people that actually get to that point in their life where they realize I need to change something. It might be a drastic change. It might be a series of subtle changes, but not everyone is blessed with that moment where they realize they need to do something. And even if they're at an okay place, but they want to be better. So many people have that challenge of just have their blinders on that they don't, or they don't want to acknowledge this because first of all, acknowledging it, that means there's some hard truths there that you have to have a conversation with yourself, but to be blessed with that light bulb moment of, I need to do something. And then the next step is to act upon it. Right. And I think so many of us have that moment. I think a lot of us have that moment in a lot of different ways and many times throughout our life where we say, I need to change something. I need to change this. And for some of us, that that change revolves around our health, whether it's eating better or, you know, just taking better care of our bodies or giving ourselves some more grace or wanting to be physically stronger. But I think once you have that moment, the hardest part and the thing that I so desperately am trying to tease out to make it tangible and helpful to people is there's so much information out there. There are so many moments where you could quit and where you could give up. And, mm-hmm. you know, it take, that, that process, it takes a long time. And sometimes we're trying to go back to things that we've done before. I hear a lot of runners say, well, I ran before 
and then I stop for a while and then they're trying to start again, but they're comparing their themselves to a previous version. And rather than give themselves grace, it's like, well, I'll never be that person again. And so they stop. And what I want is for people to hear the stories of those who have kind of pushed beyond that moment. And even if they're just hearing the stories and maybe they don't have exactly the same circumstances, that they feel like they at least have a network of people that they can reach out to. Because I can tell you that every single person that I've talked to has reached out to someone else to mm-hmm. help them along that journey. And I think just from, you know, whether being on stories from the start or being able to put their story out there in some way has allowed other people to reach out to them. And I think that's the biggest impact or that's the biggest, you know, victory for me is if somebody shares their story and then people then can reach out to that person and that person is willing to help sort of shepherd people through that transformation. And the other thing that I think people come across is financially, they're unable to make the changes that they want to make. Mm-hmm. So we always say, you know, a lot of people say running is a very cheap sport because you need your feet. And, you know, that's, that's what you need. it's a lie. It, it's a lie. Right? <laughs> and so I think even whether it's running or physical fitness in and of itself, I, there are so many free resources out there that people don't know exist. And so, you know, if you can't afford a personal trainer, if you can't afford somebody to make marathon plans for you or you can't afford a nutritionist or you can't, there are so many free resources. And a lot of the people that I have featured, or I would would venture to say most of the people that I have featured use resources that were free. And so that's really what I want to highlight because I don't want people to be impeded financially in order to, to make a change in their life. Or, you know, I don't want people to have finance as the sole reason that they can't start some kind of some kind of venture to make themselves feel better. Right. And, and taking a page out of your textbook is looking at the machines, looking at YouTube, learning what's there. And it, we, we were joking about running, not being, a, you know, it can be expensive, but it's also that you can just put on a pair of shoes and it doesn't matter what shorts you have, a cotton t-shirt, you can go out and run around a block. And if that's where your starting point is, that's where your starting point yeah. is. Then the next week, run around around two blocks. You don't have to invest money in that. And don't worry about if you don't have a $120 pair of shoes or the Nike vapor flies or something like that. You can go and start any kind of physical activity. You can do pushups in your living room for free. That's a starting point. And it's like, there's those challenges. It's the hundred pushups a day. It's the burpees. It's the sit-ups, you know, you can create your own set of challenges or work with a friend. And I like what you were saying earlier about, I found that when people post their story about what they're doing, they are inspiring others because they're putting a voice to their story and you're writing it down. So that's why, you know, people say like journaling helps because you're actually writing it down. It's not just in your head. That way people are inspired by other people. Many of us are in the same boat. It might be a different circumstance if we're trying to improve ourselves or we want to be better runners or we want to get fit or we want to overcome an addiction or some other issue. There are other people out there in the same situation and you can learn from them and then and you end up writing them and you can become friends and you can become support for each other. Right. Right. And I think that that's, you know, a lot of that is how we can build networks to empower people. Um, and I know that that's, you know, the premise of Run for All Women is empowering women through fitness in that, in that same way. 
where you're reaching out and you're developing a network and whether you're a six minute miler or a 20 minute miler, it doesn't matter. If you just show up, you know, there will be somebody there with you and we will support you through whatever you're going through, whether it's you want to walk a mile or whether you want to run four miles, somebody will be there for you. Exactly. And that was a perfect lead in because I, I wanted to talk about the club. Tell us a little more about Run for All Women. How has it affected you with friends, with relationships, with your lifestyle? So for me, Run for All Women has really given me that sense of community that I didn't have before. Um, so I, you know, I'm a very strong minded, very outspoken female and I have found a lot of comfort in knowing that there are very strong foundational women out there making changes, trying to be physically strong, going through some of the same things that I've gone through, whether it's motherhood or whether it's, um, you know, things about body image or, you know, they're, they're trying to fight the same exact battles or they fought those battles and they've overcome them. And I saw run for all women um, on Instagram. There was a, one of their ambassadors, her name is Allison Staples, and she's an incredibly dear friend of mine now. But I remember seeing a post of hers and it was shared by somebody else. So I decided to follow her and she was just so strong and so powerful. And you could see that even just through her Instagram or through, you know, through the phone screen, I could just feel that there was power in her. And she put up a post maybe a couple of days later that said, run for all women was accepting ambassador applications. And I thought, I have been on this journey for so long to feel that strength. And I decided to apply and it was one of the best decisions of my life. What does being like an ambassador entail? So being an ambassador is that we host community events. So we do community runs where we'll either team up with um, local retailers, or we'll find a place to host a local run. And we put it out there into the universe. And it doesn't matter um, your age or your gender or your pace or how far you want to run. Um, typically, we'll do three to four mile runs. And then we do um, some shorter like run walks if people want to do those. And then we try and sort of foster that alignment within our communities around the common goal of fitness and empowering other people through fitness. And I know there's a big community here in New York where I'm based. And where would you do your runs? Because I know there's ambassadors from around the country. Right. So I am in Baltimore. I run with the Baltimore uh, Run for All Women ambassadors. Is it just Run for All Women on Instagram Is in the website? Yes, it's run for the number four, all women. And it's all one word. All right. So one of the things that we like to do here on the show is we like to talk about some particular races and go through like your best race and your worst race and what we learned. And then you have a really unique story to tell. It's kind of like the race that wasn't a race. So we're going to get to that in a moment. But tell us about what you felt that was your best race. So my best race, I think, thus far for me um, was... I'm actually going to say my best race was my very first marathon. And that was the picture that I submitted that has Sophia with me. And she waited at the finish line for me dressed as a cheerleader. And she ran, when she caught sight of me coming around the corner to the finish line, she ran from the sideline out into the, um, into the barricade. Uh-huh. 
where fishers come through and she ran across she ran across the time mat <laughs> and came on and came onto the course. Um and she told me how proud she was and I felt I just fell to her feet and I thought what a moment that I never thought I would experience as a mom where I would fall to the feet of my toddler who would comfort me because she was three. No, she was four at the time. She had just turned four. And, and, and she PR'd that 20 meter run in, in the final shoot there. <laughs> she certainly did. But I just, I thought what a moment to fall to the feet of your toddler who will then comfort you and tell you that they are proud. And that, that that's just a testament of what you're doing as a mother to inspire your, your child, which goes back to your start and goes back to how you want to be happy and you want to show your daughter that there's no limits. You can be happy, you can be fit and you can be strong. And she's already getting that. She's already picking up on that. I hope so. I really do. <laughs> I think that, you know, I, I would be nothing without her because she is the driving force behind every decision that I've ever made. That is, that is a wonderful thing. So what then would you say was your worst race? My worst race was the New York City Marathon. That's a lot of people's worst race. <laughs> so... <laughs> that was the worst race of my life. All right. So, so what year was this? Uh, this was 2019. <laughs> okay. Was a ago. My, my, uh, my 2019 wasn't very good either, but from what it sounds like, it may have been worse. So let's hear. Sure. I, um, so I had been sick, uh, a couple weeks prior to the race. I was actually, I had run a 5k and a half marathon in the same day and was hospitalized later that night, um, with pancreatitis, with acute pancreatitis. Okay. And that was three weeks before the New York city marathon. And so, so you started your um, tapers I, off really well. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was an instant taper. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you so wanted to or not, diet. you're tapering. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I changed my diet. I wasn't really, I was resting as much as possible. I really wasn't running. Um, and I just kind of was bedridden for a, for a little while. And then I decided you know, after talking over with my doctor, of course, he, you know, he said, basically, just don't run it very far, very hard, you know, don't attempt to PR the New York City Marathon. Mm -hmm. And you should be okay. He said, you know, walk, run, but just go, you know, experience it all, even if you don't finish, or, you know, you have to walk most of it, just take it easy. And I did not do that. <laughs> did not heed the <laughs> so doctor's I, advice. Well, and so I feel as though, and what a terrible excuse this is, but I feel as though I kind of got caught up in kind of the pomp and circumstance and, oh, just, yeah. you know, all of the, I was so inspired by all of these people around me. And I just, you know, was looking at all of the, the fans and the people cheering. And I was just watching these people from all of these different communities come together and they were all celebrating complete strangers. And I thought that was just the coolest thing in the whole world is, you know, you were spending an entire day celebrating people you don't even know. And I got very caught up in that. Um, and around mile 13, between mile 13 and mile 14, I kind of knew I was in trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because and you're getting, you're so, just getting over the Pulaski bridge, just the halfway point, And you're going over to, to the Queensboro bridge. Yeah. Yes. And I remember being in that middle, in the middle of that bridge and thinking, oh, oh no, 
I've not done, I've not done well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so around mile 17, I had my very, very dear friend Kat who was there supporting me and cheering me on. Um, she had some of the anti-emetics or anti-nausea medication that I had been taking, um, with her, (laughs) she was standing, um, right along the side. And I thought, uh Oh, you know, I'm definitely in trouble. So I stopped and I was able to talk to her and kind of catch my breath. And, you know, she sent me back on my way and told me, you know, be careful, be careful. And around, around that point, I started throwing up about every five minutes and I finished the New York city marathon that way. So it was like, walk, throw up, walk, throw up, walk, throw up. Find some Gatorade. Oh, you kept running. Okay. I kept running. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So, so it wasn't walked out. It was run, puke, run. Now see now that's a blog right there. Run, puke, run. And I felt, I felt so bad for the people in the medical tent because here's this like, here's this girl who was just, I had to have looked like I was just out of left field completely. And I'm running over to the medical tent and I'm like alcohol swab because if you're running a race and you feel as though you're going to get sick, if you have an alcohol swab on you and you, um, like the medics told me to just smell it. And that, that kept kind of reorienting me and keeping me away from this feeling that I was going to have to throw up, which eventually didn't work. But I just felt so bad for the volunteers because I just kept running into every medical tent I could find and saying, I need alcohol swabs. <laughs> And then they would dry out in my hand as I was running. And so it was just this endless cycle to try and get me to the end. Um, and I've, I mean, I've put that story on Instagram and I've said, listen, do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. This was not the, the best choice I've made in my life. But again, it's another, you know, it's a testament to what you can power through. And for me, it was, it was so mind over matter at a certain point. It was like every footstep, I just kept thinking, you know, one more, one more, one more. And just, that was how I got to the end. I just kept telling myself I had one more step, just one more. It gets to the point where with my marathon, I did an ultra marathon, I think three weeks prior in the mountains. And I don't ever suggest doing an ultra marathon and then doing a marathon within three weeks and trying to actually race it. I did pacing for the first half for my friend who it was her first race back postpartum and she wanted to go for a goal. So I was like, I'm going to like just stick with her to like the halfway point. So to make sure she she's enjoying it, she's not alone, she has some support and she wanted to go faster than my body wanted to go. I mean, we got to the halfway point. I'm like, bye. <laughs> and I, everything just fell apart after that. But I know what you're saying. Like I would get to the point where I just need to walk to the next intersection and then I will run five blocks or you break it up into smaller digestible chunks. You can get across that finish line. Right. Right. And it was so, so the, the most ironic thing about all of it or the funniest thing about all of it was, so I had gotten sick in the 5k half marathon that I ran in Baltimore and then again in New York city. And when I left New York city, I was, I felt so defeated. Like I really felt like I didn't want to run again because I was, I was scared to run again. And it was really, I mean, it was my own doing. It was my own fault. I went harder than I should have, but I really was, was scared to run. And so seven days after the New York city marathon, I went back to a local marathon and ran it because I wanted to prove to myself that I could run without being sick. And, so, and how did that, that work I do out? Not recommend. <laughs> <laughs> 
it, it worked out. I finished. I felt fantastic. I took it slow. I wasn't aiming to PR. I wasn't, I didn't, I told nobody I was going to run. I didn't tell anybody. I just That's showed impossible. up. At You're on social marathon. media. You, you can't run I a marathon without telling it. anybody. Nope. I did not post it. I didn't tell anybody about it. I really was out there to prove to myself that I could run without getting sick, without any of the noise and without any of the, the bells and whistles. I just wanted to prove that I could run. And in fact, when given the choice, I opted not to even put a chip on my bib because I didn't care how long it took me to run it. I really, it didn't matter. I thought if I have to walk most of it, I will have still proven so much to myself. To yourself. And that's the key phrase right there is to yourself. You have nothing to prove to anybody else. And it's just about... Can I be better than I was yesterday? Can I do this? Can I achieve a goal that I have set for myself? And that right there is a very powerful statement. With that, I want to get into your main story. You do have a (laughs) blog post on this because this aligns up with what you were talking about, but it's also, I guess it would be the race that wasn't a race. Is that how we could probably best describe this one? That's that's actually a really good way to describe it, I think. Okay. All right. So I am going to let you ride with this one. Tell us this story. I, I love it. And it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a great story. So I started running in January of 2018. Um, and I was running pretty consistently through the summer. And I signed up for a 10-mile race in August of 2018. And I had run you know, eight miles, nine miles, but I had never really crested that double digit mark. Mm -hmm. And so the morning of the race, I woke up and I had had, I got all my stuff together. I had all my stuff ready. I was dressed and I just couldn't get out the door. I was so afraid that I was going to show up and that I was going to be unable to finish or that I was going to be I don't even know what I thought was going to happen, but I was terrified. I was just terrified. I knew that I had never gone into the double digits before, even though I had gotten so incredibly close. I just thought something is something is going to happen in that last mile between mile nine and mile 10 that I just can't even predict. It's going to just be terrible. And so I wrestled with whether or not to go and actually show up at the race until the moment that the race started. And I was, still at home on my bed and just petrified, just absolutely petrified. Just couldn't move and just paralyzed of something like your your brain's making up stories and filling in gaps that don't exist. Right. Right. So I had been presented with the unknown. I had been presented with this challenge and rather than face it and rather than go after it, I just created this narrative in my head that I was unable to do it. and so. I sat on the end of my bed for a long time. And then I went from being scared to being very mad. I was angry that I had come so far in this journey. And in this journey, I was really powering against that innate belief that I had that I was not enough. And so this was just that pivotal moment of I had really talked myself out of something that I wanted to do and something I knew I could do because I diverted right back to that default setting of I was not enough. And so I got angry and then I was angry at myself. And 
I didn't know what to do. So I got in my car and I thought, well, I'm going to get some coffee because that solves everything. Yes. So <laughs> I went to this local gas station, which I would never go to a gas station for coffee. And I don't know why I did that day. And as I'm coming out of the gas station, I held the door for a woman and she looked at me and she said, you are so fit. You must be a runner. And I was like, how did she know? There you go. Moly. And I thought, how can this total stranger see something that I can't see? Like, how does she know? And even I can't see it. And then I got even more mad because I thought, well, now I've talked myself out of this race and even a complete stranger can see, you know, whether she said it for very superficial reasons, which I know she did, but I knew I had a love for running. And up until that point, I had kind of refused to identify myself as a runner because I felt like I didn't meet this certain set of criteria or this certain standard that I don't even know what I thought the standard was to say I was an athlete or say I was a runner. But for some reason, at that point, I just thought I didn't need it. And now I know that there is no such thing and that's not true. Um, But this complete stranger saw something that was right in front of my face. And so I took my coffee and I drove about 15 minutes to the uh, the only outdoor track that I knew existed here. Um, and I put my watch on and I put my sneakers on and I ran 10 miles for the first time to prove to myself that I could do it. Around a track. And then, yes, yep, I ran 40 laps around a track. <laughs> At that point, so first of all, the universe kind of just put a challenge in front of you. That woman was sent to be like, here you go. Yeah, you are a runner and then got you thinking. And then now you're going to say, well, all right, I'll go to a track and now I'm going to do 40 laps, which it's mind numbing doing 10 miles on a track. (laughs) So you took the universe's challenge and said, I'm going to do one better. I'm going to go do this on a track. Yes. Yes. And I remember finishing. So I finished the the 10 miles and I got in my car and the, I mean, honestly, the first five miles I ran was purely out of hate. Like I ran that five miles because I hated that I was, had talked myself back into that same place of self doubt of not being enough of, you know, just complete fear of the unknown or fear of a challenge. And then I ran the last, five miles out of pure love and there's nothing else I can describe other than love that happened in that last five miles because I knew that after that run I was going to be a different person Mm -hmm. and I knew that everything was going to change and it did and so when I finished that run I got in my car and I cried and I pinned the bib from the race to my shirt when I finished And then I went to Walmart and I bought a lot of BioFreeze <laughs> and I went on a good nap. <laughs> did you ever have the coffee? I, I did. I drank my coffee on the way to the track. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I, just, I felt this power in pinning that bib to my shirt. And then I was out, you know, I just went out into public and I thought, well, I didn't run this race, but I ran a harder race. I ran my own race. Yeah. You know, I ran a race against myself and I won. And that was all that mattered. That right there, from what I've read in your stories and listening to, it just summarizes you. It defined who you are. That moment 
was such a defining moment in creating who you have become from where you were prior to 2018. And it's astounding. Congratulations. It's such an amazing, it's amazing listening to this transformation and these stories. That's why I do. I love this. And, you know, I I know so many people out there are just like, yeah, like I want to go run now. And that people are going to get out, get on the track, get (laughs) out and running. So definitely like, and I would love for when we post this up into the Facebook group, if anybody has comments, questions, post them away and, you know, maybe uh, Brittany will see them and can uh, help inspire and also check out stories from the start because Brittany has more stories there. And that's stories from the start on Instagram, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Just all one word. Okay. So beyond this and the running, you have other things you do. And so let's talk briefly about scheduling. You also have another blog. (laughs) So you're training for a duration run. Okay. You have the stories from the start blog. You have a five-year-old. That's that's full-time right there. You have a regular job. And then you have this other blog, which is interesting because you talked about an eating disorder. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's talk about um, what what is the other blog? So the other blog that I have is called Cupcake Coffee and a Toddler. Um, and that's pretty much the summation of my life. And so uh, that blog started because one of my favorite things to do in the entire world is celebrate Sophia's birthday. That is a, it is a holiday for me. It is a national holiday. I'm pretty sure I think all the banks should shut down. <laughs> I, I spend months planning her birthday party. I spend, you know, 20 plus hours making all of her cakes and, you know, decorating these beautifully elaborate scenes. And, and she has, you know, cupcakes and a full cake and, you know, all of these different kinds of desserts. And one year she had a donut bar and, you know, that my love of food comes from, or, you know, my love of making food in that way, really, it stems from her birthday parties and and wanting to be that person for her that really celebrated her in the most, you know, in the most fulfilling way that I knew how. Um, But because I had such a, a struggle with my relationship with food, I always thought that food was something that you used as a tool of, or it was something for me personally that I used as a tool of, of hatred. Um, and so it was like, if I wasn't, you know, exercising or if I wasn't doing something that I didn't eat, but if I felt like I had earned my food, quote unquote, um, that I could. And so having that mindset for so long, the way that I was able to wrestle out of that was really turning food into a gesture of love. And so I love to bake for Sophia. I love to bake for my family. I love to make food for parties. I love to make sure that, you know, everybody has delicious food on the table or a nutritious meal in front of them because now it's it's a form of love for me um, in order to give people that sense of fulfillment or, you know, to try and just express that I care about you and I want to nurture you and I want you to grow in a healthy way, whether you're my friend, whether you're my family, whether you're Sophia or whoever that might be. And right there, there was a few points, such amazing points, like understanding your relationship with food and coming from that area. It's like people get into that point where, oh, I'm going to start running to lose weight. And then they realize, why am I gaining weight? Because they might run 
three miles that day and they say, oh, well, I'm going to celebrate because I ran three miles. So I'm going to have that extra slice of pizza. I'm going to have that extra milkshake. And it's that reward system. I mean, we're not saying not to ever reward yourself with with something to eat, but it's like you get into that using food as a tool for specific areas of your life and not understanding the effects of it. And when you come from it from a different mindset, I guess is the best way to describe it is understanding the balance. Right. Right. And I, you know, I strongly, you know, I feel very strongly about quote unquote earning food because I think that food is something that when you're hungry, you should nourish yourself or you should eat and you should, you know, really understand the relationship that you have with food in the sense of, are you, you like, are you taking food away because you're not exercising or are you, you know, trying to earn food in some other kind of way? Um, and, you know, I hope that people find that balance. You know, I'm not an expert. The only thing that I have to go off is off of is my own experience in trying to balance my relationship with food. But I hope that people know that there, you know, there is no need to earn your food. There's no need to, to work extra hard so you can eat. In, in the sense of, you know, I ran 10 miles, so I, you know, have earned this piece of pizza or what have you. But, um, you know, I just hope that people recognize the way that they have developed their relationship with food and um, ensure that it's healthy and it is something that serves them and makes them feel good as opposed to making them feel guilty or anxious when mm -hmm. something goes one way or the other. That's amazing advice right there. So then with all this is going on, how do you balance your time? So I honestly, I love that question because I think that balance is uh, a myth. And so, you know, that on the outside, it's so, it's so easy to look at people and say, well, that person does it all. Or, you know, she balances this and that and this and that and everything works so perfectly. And really, to be bluntly honest, if I'm focused on my work, then my home life suffers for, for that those two hours or those three hours that I'm fully focused on work. Or if I'm focusing fully on Sophia, then everything else that I have going on in the background, I'm not paying attention to because I'm fully engaged in her. And so I think it's about being really intentional with your time, you know, blocking time or, you know, for me, I wake up a couple hours early and I start you know, if I have to write a blog post, I'll wake up a couple hours early. Or if I, you know, want to get some extra work done at my job, I'll wake up a couple a couple hours early so I can get some things done before she needs to go to school. But I think we latch onto the term balance because we feel like we have to do it all, and we have to do it all, all of the time. And even somebody who's got eighty six things going on is really only focused on one thing at a time. Because that's the only way, A, that you get anything done, but B, that's the only way to learn to let go of the guilt associated with the fact that you don't need to be everything for everyone all of the time. That right there, that that's the statement. It's And I like to call it what, what, what I do is like, I call it organized chaos because there's <laughs> always something going on. It's like, well, I'm training for this. You know, I have my company. I have a podcast. I do video talks for something else. And when do you sleep? And that's important is like, you know, being able to to sleep, to recover from exercise, from your, you know, let your brain recover. And with a child, I can't imagine like how much extra time and energy goes 
goes into focusing on taking care of a child when that becomes the most important thing. Everything else goes to the wayside. And and, and it's like, you know, I just admire like what you do to make all this happen. So I guess the last thing, everything being said, it's like, what parting words would you have for our listeners and your fellow runners and mothers and fellow mothers? That's a very important one. Let's not forget the fellow mothers. I think that regardless of regardless of the audience, my parting advice or my words of advice will always be the same. And that is that I truly believe that you could have X-ray vision and super strength and you could be able to fly and you could be able to be in six places at one time, but you would never be as powerful or as strong and you will never possess a greater superpower than the ability to fully trust and believe in yourself. That is it. Mic drop. <laughs> Brittany, I, I think I can't, we can't go any further. We have to just stop right now. That's it. <laughs> That's it. So this was amazing. You got to let us know if you're up in New York with Run for All Women, and hopefully I'll get to see you sometime with the club and everything. This has been inspiring, educational, and I applaud everything that you've done and congratulate you and you know for your future accomplishments. I, I know you're going to do wonderful things. So thank you so much for being part of on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been amazing. All right. Take care. Bye. Thanks. Bye. That's it for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and feel free to share with your fellow runners. If you'd like to be a guest on our program, you can apply on our website, storiesfromtherun.com. Because every runner has a story, we'd like to hear yours. Until next time, may the rain stay in Spain and the wind be at your backs. Peace.